0: to ask for you just to move powerfully among us tonight. We ask that you would move beyond the words that are spoken from a podium, that you would actually move in our hearts, that you would actually say things that I don't even say to people, that you would actually expand the message and people. I pray that these words would be pregnant in people, that literally that we would be pregnant to walk as sons and daughters of the King. I bless you for that in Jesus' name. I want to talk about poverty, riches, and wealth tonight. And um, some years ago, I had an experience. Uh, We had uh, lost our business, and we had just moved to Bethel, and um, we'd actually sold our business to a very large corporation. And we sold, and the escrow went on and on and on. Eighteen months, the escrow went on for eighteen months, and the the um, the people who the corporation, a large corporation, half a billion dollar corporation, who was buying our business. They just said, well, you know, we, there was this, the corporation that was buying our business is the same. Uh, this, uh, there was our supplier, our auto parts supplier. So they said, hey, and, you know, after about three, the escrow was supposed to be 90 days. And after 90 days, they said, well, just don't pay your parts bill, which was about 100 grand a month, until we, we pay you. So it went on and on and on. And after 18 months, I moved here. They still hadn't closed the escrow. And I, we were here, I think, I don't know, it, was, it seemed like about a week or two weeks. And the, co- the corporation that was our supplier and also buying our company went bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, that was awful fun. And we were auto parts store with no auto parts, which, uh, which was really a bummer. So, we were, so our first year here was very tough. And uh, we went through a, a lot of stuff. Uh, anybody going through a really hard financial time? I feel like we're supposed to just pray for people right now just to release you from that time. Would you stand, please? There's a real anointing on my life for wealth. I believe there's a real anointing on this house for wealth. So some of you are like, I'm not having a hard time, but I'll take wealth. (laughs) That's everybody starting to stand. Oh, yeah, that's that's me. I only have 200 grand in the bank. I need more. (laughs) No, sincerely, I believe that God's put a, uh, a, I believe that He's put an anointing on His house for wealth, and I believe it's a, a more recent anointing on our house. And so, I just want to release that over you, right now. If you're just if you're struggling uh, financially, um, things are really tough. Um, just stand. I just want to pray for you right now. I do believe there's an anointing on us to actually release that to you. So, Lord, we just release wealth on everybody who's standing right now. We break the spirit of poverty, uh, especially people that they grew up in poverty and it's like no matter what they do, it seems to not work out. And we know that well and we break that spirit right now in Jesus' name. And we just release wealth, not just money, we release wealth. And we just release wealth in every area of their lives in Jesus' name. That they would prosper and that they would be in good health. And that they would have a prosperity mentality in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so we were here and then our, you know, our business crashed and we were left with a $1.8 million debt. And that's a whole probably story I I, I don't think I'll tell right now. Not, not a very exciting story. The, the cool thing is, about over about four years, the Lord, we the Lord did not let us bankrupt. He didn't want us to bankrupt, so it was it was kind of an interesting part of the testimony, we were here a few, I think a month or two when the whole thing crashed and then, so we were, you know, like we ended up owing 1.8 million dollars and like when we first came to Bethel for the first year, we didn't even make a living because we thought we're going to have this money from the sale of our business. So we thought, well, we would be okay for two or three years and so when we, you know, when we lost everything, we still weren't on, we were on staff but we still didn't get paid so, you know, I, I went to Bill and said, you know, I I don't know what to do. I need to go back to work. We don't have any income. And Bill said, well, why don't you come and talk to the leaders? So I met with the elders and I always had this really beautiful um, encounter with the elders here. And so I told them the whole story, much not this story. I told you the long long version of the story. I wanted them to know all the details, what happened. And um, when I got all done, one of the older elders who'd been here a long time said, "Um, I believe that you're not supposed to go bankrupt. Because I told him I was going to go bankrupt. I didn't want to be a pastor who went bankrupt on our staff. You know, all, the, all of that that goes with that. And, and he said, and he stood up and he said, one of our elders has been here for like 50 years. He said, I don't believe you're supposed to go bankrupt. And he said, I believe we're supposed to pray for you and God's going to do a miracle. And he said, would you trust us for, I think it was like three months. Would you trust us for three months and not go bankrupt for three months and trust us? I'm like, what do I got to lose? So the elders got around. It was a very emotional time for me and Kathy. And they prayed for us that God would, you know, he redeemed the situation. And and, um, the first thing that happened is about within a month, we were forgiven 900,000 of our 1.8 million. And I'm like, okay, I got a little faith now. (laughs) Because I actually said to him, I don't know if you remember this, Bill, but I said, I have no faith for that. Have you ever been in a problem you have no faith for? And like, you got to find some friends that have faith for your problem because you don't have faith for your own problem. I mean, I had no faith for it. The journey was so long and exhausting. We had no faith for that. And so I said, you know, we'll trust your faith. But I I actually said to the elders, I mean, three months or it was four months, whatever they asked us to do, we're like, we can do that. We've done this whole journey for so long. And so they prayed for us and we, through a series of things, we got forgiven 900,000 of it. So we're like, ha, we're halfway there. And how many know that starts to build faith in you, and so, um, so we just we went through this this whole thing, and and uh, within I think it was about three and a half years, the Lord paid or forgave the rest of the debt, and uh, and by the fourth year we were starting to rebuild our credit, and it's a real miraculous story, um, probably not exactly where I'm going tonight, but um, in the, in this in the meantime people just spontaneously started giving me money. I mean, spontaneously. Like, I was new here, so I didn't really know anybody but Bill and a few of the team. And I remember one day I walked in the, into the prayer room where we used to pray, and Bill hands me a check. And I didn't know it was a check. He handed me an envelope. So I folded it up, and I put it in my pocket, you know, not wanting to interrupt. I had already came late. So he's like, look at it. So I opened the check and you got to understand like we were totally destitute. We had no money. I opened up I opened it up and it's a it's it's one of those like business checks folded in half and I opened it up and I oh it's a check and it said $3,000. And I'm like $3,000 is like $3 million back then. You, how many have you ever been there? And I'm like, "Oh my god, $3,000. You know, that'll take us we can we can live for 2 months on that, you know." And so I started saying I started saying to everyone, I interrupt the whole prayer meeting like Someone gave us $3,000. Well, Bill had opened. The check was one of those that was folded in half. So Bill opened it and saw it was a check and saw it, that the check was for $30,000. So Bill goes, you better look again. Do you remember that? <laughs> he had cheated. He goes, you better look again. I opened the check and it was for $30,000. Anybody ever been in a situation where $30,000 is like $30 million? Ever Anyone ever been that desperate? Like that's how desperate we were. And I look, with, and I'm like, and I'd already interrupted the meeting, like, "Oh my God, someone gave me three thousand dollars." And Bill's like, "You better look again." I look again; it's thirty thousand dollars. I start like, you know, hyperventilating. You know, I, I tend to be a little bit high strung anyway. You probably didn't notice. <laughs> Bill and I get together is really kind of funny. It's, I think it's comedy act of heaven. So I'm like, oh my God, it's $30,000. It wrecked the whole prayer meeting. You know? we, it was, that was the end of spiritual. <laughs> and, uh, and it was you know, so exciting, needed. And, uh, uh, anyway, a whole long story about that probably would bore you. But the short story is this guy, this gentleman was in our church. I had never met the man. Evidently, he came to a class I was doing. And so, um, so I looked at the you know, guy who signed a check. I didn't know the guy. And And then, um, over a a few days, asking a bunch of questions, someone's like, well, that's the guy over there that gave you the money. So, you know, we bought him a real expensive card, like five bucks. (laughs) Thank you very much for the money, you know. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's laughing. You know exactly what I'm saying, right? Now we can afford to buy you a card for five dollars. So, we, you know, we bought him a card. And this is the strangest thing happened. Now, have you, ever, have you ever behaved in a certain way that you were totally unaware, like you were unconsciously ignorant, like you didn't know that you didn't know? Well, this guy, I'll, just, I'll call him John. For six months, wherever John was, I wasn't. For six months. So John would come in the sanctuary over there, maybe where I normally come in, and I'd see him and I'd walk all the way around and come on this, this side. And this went on and on. Now, I know this sounds crazy. I did not know I was doing that. Like, if you would have said, you're avoiding John, I'd be like, no, I'm not. I mean, I was, it was not at the conscious level. Anybody behaved below the conscious level? I did not know I was doing that. And then one day, I ha- Bill was preaching, and, uh, and he was going on and on and on, and I was like, oh, i got to go to the bathroom so bad. <laughs> you ever wait too long? So I'm like, I waited way too long. So I run out those doors. I'm like, it's one of those times you don't know if you're going to make it. And I run to the bathroom and I open the door and I'm literally like, oh my God, I'm going to pee my pants. I open the door and John's standing there. (laughs) To that, Until that moment, I did not know I was avoiding him. It was all below the conscious level. I open the door. I see John. He's got his back to me. I run out of the bathroom. And the next restroom is, as you know, over here. I run all the way, and I'm like, I could barely make the first one, right? And I have this thought, something's wrong with me. <laughs> Somebody once said, adversity will introduce a man to himself. And I just introduced myself to me. So I get to the bathroom, and you, you probably have had, you know, some kind of a, a situation where you were behaving a certain way, and suddenly you realized it. So now, I know there's something wrong. I mean, the lowest level of life is you're unconsciously injured. You don't know that you don't know. But the next level is, you know you don't know. So I go home that night, and as you can probably imagine, I have no idea why I'm behaving that way. And I'm laying in bed, and, you know, I mean, it's bad when you know why you're behaving that way. It's really unnerving when you see yourself behaving away and you have no idea why you're behaving like that. But I laid in bed at night and I was just praying. No, I wasn't praying. I was worrying. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, I worried. <laughs> and I worried and worried and worried and I still remember, I don't know what time it was, but I worried till the sun started to come up. We were living in this little house and the sun would come in in the morning and through our window. So I was probably three, four, five o'clock in the morning And finally, I had this thought. Maybe I should pray about it. (laughs) Literally, anybody anybody ever have so much anxiety, you can't think straight? Like, literally thought about it as a second thought. So I pray, Jesus, do you know what's wrong with me? (laughs) That's a big man of big faith. I hear immediately, "Uh uh-huh. I say, would you tell me? And here's what he said to me. Do you really want to know? I'm telling you the truth, as clearly as I'm standing here talking to you, he said, do you really want to know? And I, I thought, well, I mean, if, you know, if you said, do you really want to know, I would maybe think about it. When God says, do you really want to know, you're like, maybe, a, you know, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I'm thinking, maybe I don't really want to know. And I laid there for another 10 minutes thinking, I don't know if I want to know when God asked you if you really want to know. This is an absolute true story. You can tell my I w- woke up in the morning in, in this cold sweat. And I said, and after about 10 minutes, I thought, well, I, I, you know, that's going to drive me crazy to not know. So I said, I really want to know. He said, here's the problem. He said, John gave you money. Well, well <laughs> thank you. I know that part. He said, the problem is, is that John gave you $30,000 and you don't love yourself $30,000 worth. And the problem is, You're afraid that if John gets to know you, he'll be sorry he gave you the money. (laughs) I laid there for an hour thinking about, what do I do? So I finally said, well, what do I do? I I could make this really spiritual, but it wasn't. It was really that bad. And the Lord said, why don't you try this? I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I will. He said, why don't you try loving you as much as I love you, and then you won't be surprised Johnny gave you the money. That began a whole new process in my life, and my, all my friends watched that process. You know, if you would have told me the day before John gave me that money that I had low self-esteem, I would have said, you're crazy. But that night, I realized I had a revelation that I had a poverty mentality. And that I was afraid that John, if John knew me, that he wouldn't think I was worth giving $30,000 worth to. And it began a journey for me. And that, out of that uh, journey, a couple of years later, I wrote the book, Supernatural Ways of Royalty. If you've ever read that book, it's my journey. When I say out of pauperhood... I, you know, I think that sometimes life is, a, sometimes you learn things like an onion. Do you think that? Like I have fought that poverty spirit and I feel like like I definitely had a year where the Lord was talking to me nearly every day about it and I would see it here and there and here and here and the way I was relating to this and the way I related to fathers and the way I related to the world and and, I, and and I would the Lord would break that off of me and I'm like, oh, I'm free. And then, you know, a month later, something else would come up, and I just had this journey of, I don't want to say deliverance from demons, but deliverance from poverty thinking. It was so deep in me. It was so deep in me. And I, I realized that, um, I remember this, this man, the very, when I, I got saved in this warehouse, and this man, a really crude guy, led me to the Lord the first time. I got led to the Lord a few times, sort of <laughs> wandered off. And um, he said, and, in the, and he was a, a brand new believer, and he got saved in this charismatic, crazy movement. And one day, we're, we're, I'm in a warehouse and working in a warehouse, and he said to me, "God says you're going to be rich." Just out of the blue, like we're just at lunchtime praying, and I said, "Tell God I don't want His money," <laughs> because I related that rich was bad, like rich people oppress poor people. And he goes, I don't know what to tell you. God said you're going to be rich. It was the very first prophetic... I didn't even know it was a prophetic word, you know, in those days. I'm still learning, but it was like the very first word I ever got from the Lord. So tonight, I want to talk a little bit about wealth, poverty, and riches. Um, If you'll turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1... I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 10. Maybe this is one of the most popular verses about money. Um, Paul writes to Timothy, For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I've heard many times that the love of money is the root of all evil. How many know that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, but it's not the root of all evil? And secondly, how many understand that it's the love of money, not money? Verse 17, Paul goes on to instruct Timothy, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, and to be ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Um, I, I just want to... You know, I, I believe... Well, let me say this. I'm going to give away a good part of my message. But I believe there's a difference between rich and wealth. I believe that rich people are defined by their money and wealthy people are defined by their God. And tonight I want to talk about a little bit about wealth and riches because I actually feel like the Lord wants us to transform the world. And I'm actually not just talking about money. In fact, I think that money isn't actually what I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about having a wealth mentality. Because the Lord wants to make us princes and princesses. We've actually come into a kingdom, and if you don't like wealth, I don't know if you're going to like heaven. Because I read about heaven, I'm like, he seems pretty wealthy up there. <laughs> you know, a guy that can you know pave his streets with gold, probably pretty wealthy. So a lot of people, I don't, I, every, you know, I've shared on this a couple of times, and I mostly get good feedback, but once in a while I get somebody that's like, Oh, you people, you're you know, preaching a, you know, um, you know, a, a prosperity gospel. I'm like, I don't know if there's a poor gospel. <laughs> I, I, I really am I'm, I, you know, sincerely not trying to talk about money. I'm using money to actually talk about the way we think. And I'm telling you, poor people are never going to transform the world. So we have to come to this place... Where well, we realize that we were born to be sons and daughters of a king, and that and we are born to have influence, and and we wealth, not money, wealth is our inheritance from God. Okay, thank you. Good word, Chris. Hmm. I love uh, Genesis chapter 14, verse 21. Are you guys all right? Okay. Sometimes it feels a little tense. Thank you, I'm trying to giddy up. (laughs) I'm not sure everybody's giddying with me. (laughs) Genesis 14, 21. This is is Abraham. The king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most of I most high possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal or a thong or anything that is yours for the fear that you would say I made Abraham rich. This is interesting. You know, Abraham was one of the guys who became rich. And when Sodom, when, when Abraham rescued Sodom and some other cities from destruction, the king of Sodom wanted to make him rich. And, and Abraham said, no, I don't want your money, least you said you made me rich. And what I'm getting at is this. One of the ways that God knows that you can handle wealth is that you don't let it define you. And that you know when to take it and when not to. You know when to say, if I take that money, you will own my soul. If I take that money, you will own my reputation. You will say, I made Abraham rich and I never want that said about me. I want God. If God wants to give me money, it needs to be God, not you. And in that fact that Abraham refused to let the king of Sodom make him rich, he got rich. Now, I know a lot of people that they just have a poverty mentality and they're known for giving and underneath the giving is the sense that when they get money, when, they're, when they get more money than they feel like they're worth, then they feel like they have to give it away because of the, the sense of worthlessness they have. I don't know I didn't say that right. But a poverty mentality is when you feel worthless and you have more stuff than you feel you're worth. And sometimes on the outside it looks like generosity, but the inside it's a poverty spirit. Uh, Luke 19, I'm sorry, 16, 9. I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. That's interesting. Luke 16.10, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. He who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, hello, who will entrust to you true riches? If you have not been faithful in the use of what is another's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either will hate one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. No one can serve God and wealth. How me understand the warning is, is that money can't own you. Abraham became rich in, in, after he refused the riches of Sodom. Then God goes, oh, I can trust you with riches, because riches don't own you. And we're going to this place. We're going to this place in in in, in the world and in influencing the world where we can't, you know. Huh. You know, I, I know I'm talking a lot about money tonight, but actually my message has nothing to do with money as the core of who we are. It has to do with being kings and queens in a world that desperately needs leadership. And I'm using and, and God uses money. And I'm using money tonight to demonstrate what happens when you get a lot of stuff. Does it own you or do you own it? Because I believe that we're moving to this place of influence in the world. And I believe it's God who's doing it. Because I think he wants us to make disciples of nations. And that means that he wants us to have not a rich mentality, but a wealth mentality. I don't think God wants you to have money. Unless he does. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3, verse 2. And Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and gold, because God was with him. Abraham was rich. Genesis twenty-six, twelve. Now Isaac sowed in the land, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Now, the previous verse said he sowed in a famine and he reaped a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. You're like, that's the Old Testament. Yeah, we're in a better covenant. I'm simply saying that if we are going to make disciples of nations, we have to have not a rich mentality, we have to have a wealth mentality. We have to be able to have wealth without wealth having us. We have to have wealth without it defining us. But we need to learn how to live outside of a sinner's perspective and learn how to lead as princes and princesses, as, if you will, God's children. And we need to learn how we can have wealth, and wealth doesn't have us. You know, Ruth and uh, Boaz. Boaz was wealthy. Wealthy. Um, Proverbs 23.4 is a great warning Do not weary yourself to gain wealth Cease from your consideration of it When you set your eyes on it It's gone For wealth certainly makes itself wings Like an eagle that flies from the heavens How me understand The goal isn't to make wealth But neither is the goal to sabotage your wealth The goal is to serve God And allow Him to give you the mentality That if He wants to, if he wants to give you wealth He gives you wealth if he doesn't, he doesn't. But a poverty mentality sabotages your wealth. Are you following me at all? I love um, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 11. God said to Solomon, because you had this in mind, that Solomon actually asked for, asked for discernment and wisdom. God said to Solomon, because you had this in mind, and you didn't ask for riches or wealth, or honor or life of those who hate you, nor... Did you even ask for a long life, but you asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule my people that I made you king over? I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to grant to you wisdom and knowledge, and I will also give you riches, wealth, and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you or those who are after you, who come after you, have had. How many know God made Solomon wealthy? I'm simply saying, like, if you don't like wealth, then. Great. But I believe that God wants to release a wealth mentality on the people who are supposed to make disciples of nations. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Deuteronomy, I love this. Deuteronomy 8.18 But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to make wealth. That he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is to this day. Did you get that? Are you guys all right? Listen to this. But you shall remember the Lord, for it is he who gives you the power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant with you. I'm I'm sorry. Confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, to this day. God says, I'm going to make you wealthy, told the Israelites. I'm going to make you wealthy, that it confirms the covenant that God made with your forefathers. Isaiah 60, I, I, I love these verses. Isaiah 60, uh, verse 1 says, um, Arise and shine. How many know those verses? For your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, deep darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness of people, but the Lord will rise upon you. His glory will be seen upon you. Nations will come to your light. Kings of the brightness of your rising. Look all around. They all come to you. Sons will come from afar. Your daughters will be carried in arms. Then you'll see and be radiant. Your heart will thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea is turned to you. Listen to this. The wealth of nations will come to you. Verse 10. Foreigners will build up your walls, and their kings will minister to you. For in wrath I struck you, but in favor I have compassion on you. Your gates will be open continually. They will not be closed day or night so that men will bring for you the wealth of their nations with the kings leading their procession. How many understand this is talking about a revival where kings are actually coming to the Lord? And one of the things they're doing is they're bringing their wealth with them. How many understand wealth isn't just money? It's influence. It's people. The wealth of nations is not money. It's people. But God is releasing the wealth of nations on us, and I'm saying we need to learn how to prosper. We need to learn how to get out of a a poverty mentality where we're defined by our stuff instead of by the God we serve. We need to we need to not we need to be not be the people who sabotage wealth because we got more stuff on the outside than we are are on the inside. How I many know when you get bigger on the outside than you are on the inside, you start sabotaging your own wealth that God gives you? And sometimes what people call generosity is actually a sabota- is them actually sabotaging wealth because they have more on the outside than they actually have on the inside. Listen, I'm, I, listen, generosity, I'm all for generosity. My, our goal is to give away more than half of our income. That's our goal right now, give away more than half of our income. But you, You can't give it away just because you're you're afraid of money. You can't give it away because you're wealthier on the outside than you are on the inside. How many know that's a poverty mentality? You have to give it away because you have a spirit of generosity on it. You have to give it away not because you're afraid of money, but because you are generous. Because God's made you a generous giver. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. There's an interesting thing that I discovered recently, and maybe you've discovered it a long time ago. I used to think that the parable of the talents, which is a sum of money, and the parable of the Midas was actually the same parable, just with two different amounts of money. And so probably about, I don't know, four or five months ago, I was sharing in church, talking about having a wealth mentality, and that God wants to raise up a people that have a wealth mentality. No, I'm not talking about money, a wealth mentality. Like, kings and queens have a wealth mentality. And I was just, I was thinking about it, and I had Matthew 25 out, the parable of the talents, and I had, um, I had um, Luke chapter 19, the parables of the mind out, and I was just trying to, you know, like preachers do, I was reading both parables, and I was like, okay, which one should I use? Because I kind of thought of it's like two different amounts, but it's the same story. And then I was reading the story, and I realized... It's not the same story at all. It's actually two completely different stories that actually contrast uh, two different mentalities, mentalities. And so in Matthew chapter 25, look at the story verse 14 it starts. For just as a man for just as a man about to go on a journey called his own slaves and entrusted them to his entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave 5 talents, to another 2 and to another one And by the way, a talent in our day is about $30,000. So, one received 150000 one received 30000 one received about $90,000. Significant amount of money, right? And he went away, and you know the story. They, they, the one that had one talent went and buried it, you know the whole story, and he, the master comes back, not very happy with him. But this is the, the part of the story I like. So, the one who had received five talents came back, this is verse 20, And brought his five talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many, what? Things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had two was entrusted with two. He came and said to him, Also the one who had received two talents came and said, Master, you entrusted entrusted two talents to me. See, listen to this. I have gained two talents. Did you get that? I have gained two talents. And what did he do? He got two more and so on and so forth. The one that had none, we know that story. Interesting contrast, right? So, they received they received talent, $30,000 approximately, they went out and used the talent, and one of them got five, made five more, and one of them, you know, made two more and one of them buried it, right? Story of the talents. And the Lord said, I'm going to put you in charge of more things. Look at the story of the... In Luke 19, the story of the the parable of the minas. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell them a parable because he was in Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he said to them, No man went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and return. He called ten slaves and he gave them each ten minas. Now... A mina is about $500. How many know? Significantly less money, right? Talent, $30,000. five dollars. $500. Are you with me at all? And so they received a lot less money. What happened to it? But the citizens um, dah, 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 gave them 10 minas and to do business with. Verse 15. When he returned, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared and said, Master, your mina has made ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful and very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. Did you get that? You shall have authority over ten cities. The second came and said, Your mina, master, has made five minas. And he said, Good job, you will be over five cities. And so on and so forth. The guys that received talents, thousands of dollars, said, we have made money. He said, good, I'll put you over stuff. The guys that received only $500 said, master, your money has made money. The master said, I'll put you in charge of cities. See, one, prosperity depended on their labor. The other learned the secret of wealth. They said, your money. They didn't say, we made money. They said, your money made money. And the Lord said, if you can make money, make money, what would you do with cities? Because you could create an ecosystem of wealth because you've learned the secret of wealth. My money made money. You didn't make the money. My money made money. And I'm saying, you know how many of you believe that we're supposed to make disciples of nations? Do you know that's the only practical lesson in the entire New Testament on how to make disciples of nations? You know it's the only place where it actually gives you instruction on how to oversee cities? How? You have to learn how the money makes money. And when you learn how the money makes money, God goes, that is is the spirit of wealth. You learn that how to create ecosystems where money makes money and it's not you who makes money and I will put you in charge of cities so that you can teach people how to prosper in a way that money works for you instead of you work for money. How many of you know in the parable of talents, they're working for money, but in the parable of the minus, money's working for them. I'd like to propose to you that God wants the wealth of the nations to come to us because He's going to give us wisdom on how money makes money. In other words, God's not interested in money. You know that, right? I'm saying He's going to teach us how ecosystems work. We're going to, why does He put people in charge of cities? Because He wants people to have a wealth. I'm not talking about riches. I'm talking about wealth. Health, wealth, break poverty. Are you with me? He wants the kingdom to oversee cities so that the people themselves break a poverty mentality and come into a place where they realize they can actually create ecosystems where their money makes money. Not their effort, the ecosystem creates it. It's the only place in the New Testament that I know of that actually gives us instruction on how to make disciples of nations. Because Matthew 28 says, make disciples of nations. But Luke 19 tells us how to do it. If you're faithful with unrighteous mammon, I'll put you in charge of real stuff. Like people. But if you've been unfaithful with unrighteous mammon, who would trust true riches to you? What's true riches? True riches isn't money. True riches is the treasures of God, which is people. You want to grow in leadership? then use money. It's the kindergarten. If you haven't been faithful with unrighteous mammon, that's money. Who's going to give you true riches? And we curse wealth and call it righteousness. And I'm thinking, that's stupidity. We've come out of poverty and we've come into a kingdom of wealth. I don't know how many. I don't know who's going to like heaven. If you don't like wealth, <laughs> okay. Thank you, Chris, for that. I, you know, um, what makes a message like this hard is that people have perverted the wealth message, and the wealth message should be called a selfish message it's all about me, it's all about my stuff, and I'm defined by what I own. And I'm like, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about the power of wealth. I'm not talking about having a lot of stuff. I think there are wealthy people that don't have anything. Not because they can't have it, but because they actually choose to put their energy someplace else. Are you following me? There's eight differences between rich people and wealthy people. Now, I have to just begin by saying, I have to admit, like, this is a little bit of a stretch of the scriptures in this sense, that sometimes the word wealth and, and riches, are in, even in the, the Hebrew and Greek, are used interchangeably. So if I'm going to be totally integrous, I have to tell you that I've taken a little liberty, because sometimes when the Bible uses the word wealth, it uses it in a negative sense. And it's like, and I look at the original Hebrew or Greek word, I'm like, that's actually the word wealth. So I I don't want to be dishonest and go, the word wealth is always used this way, and the word, it's not. So sometimes it's the context that determines the definition. Does that make sense? So out of that, I want to give you eight differences between rich people and wealthy people. Number one, rich people get their identity from from the things they own. Their houses, their cars, their yachts, their money. But wealthy people's identity comes from who they are not what they own. I'll tell you this, the fastest way to lose your stuff is to let it be define you in God. Number two, rich people either spend a lot of time trying to not lose their money or waste it on themselves. But wealthy people's money is just an extension of who they are, so they are confident in their well-being. If you have money and you spend all your time trying to not lose your money, how many know that's not wealth? That's riches. And riches is... Well, there's lots of warnings in the Bible about riches. You know, when you spend your life trying to not lose your money, how many know that's not a wealth mentality? It's a poverty mentality with a bunch of money. <sighs> Number three, rich people work for money. but wealthy people, But wealthy people's money works for them. I mean, you know, rich, rich people spend all their time trying to get richer and richer, but wealthy people, their money actually works for them. Number four, rich people think of their assets, while wealthy people dream of their legacy. Rich people are defined by the stuff, by their bank account. They're like, I have this much money, so in the bank, and therefore I am. How I many you know that's poverty mentality with money? What <laughs> I'm saying, that in my mind, the difference between riches and wealth is that riches are a wealth mentality with a bunch of money. Wealth, you may not have any money, and you can still have a wealth mentality because, because wealth, money, stuff doesn't define you. You define it. Number five, rich people give to people. Wealthy people invest in people with an expectation of return on investment measured by a predetermined outcome a changed life a transformed neighborhood a business profit i want to say it again i think this is really a good i think this is really a great distinction between the mentality of rich people and the mentality of wealthy people rich people give to people if they do but wealthy people invest in people with an expectation of a return on investment measured by a predetermined outcome Like a life has changed, a transformed neighborhood, a business profit. I'm saying, how many understand, wealthy people don't give to people, they invest in people. Let me be clear, I'm not saying they never give to people. I'm saying, overall, they invest in people. They are looking for a way to influence people in a positive way with their wealth. They're like, how do I help people come into a new dimension in, in their thinking in God? Number six, rich people think that their money protects them. Proverbs 18.11, a rich man's wealth is his strong city, <laughs> and like a high wall in his own imagination. How many you know that rich people think their money protects them? Uh, you know, I can behave any way I want, I can, buy your, I can buy your lawyer, I can protect myself. How many understand that's not a wealth mentality? That's a poverty mentality with money. They have a sense of being above the law. But wealthy people are inherently humble because they are thankful, knowing that the source of their provision is the Lord. Number seven, rich people have a vision for things that they can buy, but wealthy people have a vision for a legacy they can leave. And number eight, most rich people's money was given to them. They received an inheritance, won a lottery or a lawsuit. They got lucky in the stock market, etc., Therefore, they don't know how to reproduce it, how to make more. This creates a lot of insecurity in their souls. But wealthy people have wisdom and power to create wealth. Therefore, they live with confidence and aren't afraid of the future. I would end with this part. Wealthy people are not defined by what they have, but by who owns them. How many know God is our master? You can have a million trillion dollars And the question is, do you own it, or does it own you? I really believe that God wants us to make disciples of nations. The message tonight isn't really about money at all. It's about, can you have a wealth mentality? Can God trust you? Because, see, I believe that we're about to move. I believe that we're moving into this place In time, I believe that we're in this epic season where the Lord is going to begin to open up the nations to us, and He's literally—we are literally going to begin to be like Josephs. Some some will be like David's and Solomon's. Others will be like Josephs and Daniels. And we're about—and I honestly believe that the door of the kingdoms are about to open to us. I mean, we've been talking about it for 50 years, but I mean, literally, the doors of the kingdoms are about to open to us. I think the United States is... in I, I, I can understand why why people would not agree with this. But I believe the United States is about to step into one of its greatest seasons in the history of the United States. Now, now, now just to be clear, I'm not saying everything's going to be fine. I'm, I'm aware this isn't heaven. I'm like, oh, everything's going to be just perfect. I'm not talking about, you know, Nirvana or some kind of... I'm, I'm saying I believe that we're moving into a season where the Lord has decreed for us to make disciples of nations. We've been talking about it for centuries, and I actually believe that we're moving into a season where we're going to begin to do it. And I believe he's going to teach us how how to disciple nations. And so one of the things that we have to do is we can't be afraid of power and wealth. We have to learn how to live with a wealth mentality. I didn't say with a rich mentality. I'm not talking about all the stuff we've been through, all of us, you know, I'm 61 years old. We've been through stuff, right? We've seen the gospel perverted for money and all that. I'm not talking about any of that. I don't even have interest in that. I want to see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. That's what I want. And I, only way I, and I see that the Lord uses wealth to test us to see if we can actually be have influence over cities. And I see two, and I bet you do too, I see... Two um, competing mentalities in the church. One is that, you know, m- lots of us went through, if you're my age, you went through this whole, you know, if you really love God, you'll have a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, that got really perverted and weird. And I went through that season with a bunch of my friends. I was kind of on the outskirts of it, but I, I knew it well and, and, and embraced some of that for a while. I'm not saying it was all bad, I'm saying it got weird. And pretty soon your faith was determined, your walk with God was determined by your stuff. And I'm like, that is weird. That's, a, that's really weird. And then you look at the life of Jesus, you're like, well, Jesus must not be very spiritual. You don't even own a donkey. And so it, what I'm getting at is this. It feels like the Lord gives us the truth, it gets perverted, and then we run away from it for like three generations. And then we look back at it when the emotion of it's gone... And there's not a bunch of mad people around and a bunch of messes. Then we look back at it and we go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait! There was some gold in that. It got perverted, but there was some gold in it." And I believe oftentimes when the devil can't stop something, he perverts it. He perverts a move of God. And so, so I, I, you know, we've been through all these moves. You know, uh, we've we've watched God give us the truth, and we watch people pervert it. But in the middle of but in the midst of all of that, there's something that God gave. Something real. And I'm saying that God really wants to make disciples of nations. And one way he does it is to see what you do with unrighteous mammon. Unrighteous mammon. And when you do really good with unrighteous mammon, in other words, you, st- you learn how to create ecosystems where your money makes money. Instead of, Lord, I did this. Lord, your money... Made money. He goes, oh, you understand how to create ecosystems. You need to be in charge of stuff. How about a few cities? And I'm saying, we have to stop being afraid of wealth and power and start embracing it in a righteous way so that we can be trusted to make disciples of nations because ultimately the destiny of nations is determined by our ability to be kings, sons, and daughters who actually lead nations and aren't afraid to have wealth and power and deal with it as sons and daughters of the king instead of as arrogant whatever. Idiots. (laughs) Are you with me at all? I grew up in poverty. Now, when you're an American and you say you grew up in poverty, I've been places where that's laughable. I grew up I mean, I've been to places where my house would look like a mansion compared to the places people live. So how many understand poverty is relative? So I'm talking about American poverty. I grew up in American poverty, and I grew up in American poverty mentality for sure. It's like rich people, we didn't like rich people. We, we actually despised them. I can remember sitting around the table with my you know, my mother and my stepfather, and I, I can remember them talking about their boss who had money, and we hated people who had money, and they bought a new car, and who do they think they are? I mean, these are the kind of conversations that poor people have. Even when poor people get money, they still have these conversations. Anybody else grow up, am I alone? Like, anyone else grow up this kind of mentality? It's like, we just resented people who had stuff, who had influence, or had money. And I'm like, I see so many Christians who have the same mentality. We, we even though we live, in, you know, probably most of us in this room would be wealthy compared to most of the world. We're still like people that have stuff with a poverty mentality. <laughs> and I'm like, I believe that the Lord wants us to influence nations. Eric's message this morning so beautiful. Like I believe that the Lord wants us to influence nations, but we have to learn how to be kings, queens who don't let stuff own us, but we own stuff, and we need to learn how to use the wealth of nations to actually expand the king's kingdom. And oftentimes, the Lord gives us stuff to see how the kingdom's working in us. Sometimes the way you deal with your stuff has a lot to do with how you're dealing with his stuff. (laughs) I um, I said I, I grew up poor, and um, I can remember conversations. In fact, I think I share with you uh, in my opening statements. I, I was saved by a guy who said someday you're going to be wealthy, and I said to him, I never want to be wealthy. Wealthy people, I don't even like wealthy people. You know, they steal from the poor, and you know, where'd I get that? I mean, my parents taught me that. Like wealth and evil were directly connected, and my mother didn't even believe the Bible, but she memorized the verse that. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's like, the, the, that wealth is the root of, that money is the root of all evil. Stephen didn't quote it right, but I think it's one of the only verses she knew. Besides, God loves those who, God gives to those who, no, God helps those who help themselves. Which, it took me five years of being a Christian to realize that wasn't in the Bible. <laughs> so my mom quoted it all the time. So I'd say, man, I'm having a hard day. She'd go, well, God helps those who help themselves. I don't know what the heck that even means to this day. Seriously, I was like five years old and the Lord had read the whole Bible and thought, oh, my mom must have a different version. It was years later before I realized that's not actually in any version. But you know, I, I, I really believe that God wants us to be people who have influence and understand how to use money and not let money use us. And how people can be defined... I, I'm sorry... Yeah, how we can be defined by God and not defined by what we own. Like, this is the first part of actually being a wealthy person is I'm not defined by my bank account, the car I drive, the stuff I have. The stuff I have does not own me. I own it. Oftentimes when people talk about money, they talk about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. You know there was only one of those. <laughs> Jesus hung around with really wealthy people. He had one guy he said, Go sell everything. He didn't tell Mary and Martha that, <laughs> probably because they're funding his ministry. <laughs> but he meets a wealthy ruler and it's like he has one, there's one guy in the Bible that Jesus said, Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and the guy and the guy's like, oh, his money defined him and you know, and, and we quote that, we re-quote that verse over and over and over. And I know, obviously, if you're defined by your stuff, then oftentimes God's like, okay, get rid of your stuff, and let's see who you are when you don't have stuff. But how many understand that God gives people wealth? Not just money. He gives you wealth. He gives you influence. He gives you power. And the world needs the right people to have that kind of influence. And I think there's something about a wealth mentality that when you're not defined by your stuff, you're ready for more stuff, so that you can actually fund what God wants to fund. And I think God wants to break the spirit of poverty, and I know lots of people that have lots of money and have the spirit of poverty. Poverty is not determined by what you have, it's determined by what has you. And I know a lot of people have money and they spend their life worried about losing their money. How many know that's a poverty mentality? On the other hand, if you have a wealth mentality and you lose everything, how many understand? You're like, a wealth mentality attracts wealth. I think it was Henry Ford. I won't get the quote exactly right. But he said this. He said, take away all my... Take away... Take away all my factories, burn my factories down, take away everything I own, give me back my employees. In five years, I'll have it all back. He said, because what you see around me is in me. See, when you have wealth, and you understand, I'm not talking about stuff at all, what you have within you manifests eventually around you. But if you were afraid that what you have, you're going to lose, that didn't come from what's in you. Somebody gave you that. But when wealth, is a man, when wealth is a manifestation of who you are, you're not worried about losing it, because if you lose it, you'll just get it back, because you attract. In God, you're magnetic. You'll get it back. Wealthy people don't, learn, don't worry about losing their wealth, because their wealth is in their identity, not in their stuff. And I'm saying all of that because God's about to open up the nations to us. God's about to give us the secrets of how to destroy poverty. In Africa, and in India, I'm telling you, like, watch the next five years. You're going to see believers come into places of influence who will refuse to be owned by stuff. They own stuff, but it doesn't own them. And they're going to shift cities like this parable. They learn how wealth makes wealth, not they make wealth. They know the secrets of developing an ecosystem, a wealth ecosystem. And it's not just about money, it's also about mentality, it's about breaking poverty, it's about breaking sin, it's about breaking sin patterns, and you guys are going to be in the forefront of it. So, here's what I want to ask you to do. If the Lord has highlighted a poverty spirit on you, which I lived with for the first probably 40 years of my life, would you stand up? Right now. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I feel like we're supposed to break off a poverty spirit. That thing that sabotages wealth, that thing that sees rich people or wealth sees wealthy people and resents them. All of these these are all symptoms. You know, I see people driving a nice car, I have a nice house, I'm like, Well, I wonder who they I wonder what you know, wonder what they did, I wonder what they did to get that. I see a Christian drive you know having nice stuff and I'm like, Oh, and he, you know, of course he's a Christian. Of course she's a believer. You know, it's just a—you know what I'm saying? It's just a poverty accusation spirit. How many understand that if you have that spirit, you're sabotaging your own wealth? And God wants—I'm not saying God wants you to have lots of money. I'm saying God wants you to be wealthy. One of the wealthiest pre- people in this room is Tracy Evans, sitting on the second row here. Sorry to embarrass you. I know her really well. She's the daughter of this house. Grew up in our house. I love her. She doesn't have a lot of stuff, not because she couldn't, but because, she, because of her call on her life. She's not sabotaging her wealth. She's not, are you with me? She's not like afraid of money. She's like, this is what God's called me to do. And how many know, doing what God's called you to do, and having the funds to do that, that's wealth. Being free to be completely, uh, uh, having the power to be completely free to do what God's called you to do, without begging, how many know, that's wealth. Not walking into a room with people that have more than you and feeling as confident as you did before you got in the room, that's wealth. Seeing people that have a nice car and being able to celebrate with them, how many know, that's wealth. Walking into a rich person's home and not feeling small, how many know, that's wealth. This is all like, my papa gave you this. That's awesome. And be able to celebrate somebody else's Prosperity, that's wealth. These things are all wealth things. And so if you have anything besides that, I want you to stand up. Because I believe that God wants us to make disciples of nations. And he's given us a pattern on how to do it. If if you're good with unrighteous mammon, natural stuff, I'll put you over cities. I don't know about you, but I think we're supposed to be over nations. Maybe we should start with the city. So those of you that are standing, would you just put your hand on your heart? I want you to say this out loud. If you don't want to, it's fine, but I just had this picture of us saying this out loud. I renounce the spirit of poverty in my life. I repent of a poverty spirit in Jesus' name. I repent of jealousy for people who have more than I do. I renounce jealousy. In Jesus' name, I break all agreements with it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, right now I make a covenant with you that I will celebrate people. When they prosper, I will celebrate them. When they have more than me, I will celebrate them. I will not resent people for what they have. And Jesus, I pray, you would show me inside my heart if there's anything that's poisoning the kingdom, the prosperity of the kingdom in me or in my lineage, that I might repent of it, that it might be broken over my life, over the life of my home, over the life of my children, and over the life of my children's children. And may my children be kings and priests to the Lord. And may my children's children be famous in God and make disciples of many nations. And may they trace back their lineage to this moment where as a family, we broke that spirit, that curse over our lives. And over the lives of our family. And Jesus, I pray and I give you permission to convict me anytime, anywhere that I embrace that poverty spirit again. I ask you to do me the favor of convicting me and leading me out of it that I might have a wealth mentality that my family and my lineage. My city and my country might prosper simply because I'm in it with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's a good word right there. Amen. Amen. Well, that's a good word. Well, not because I preach it. It's just a good word. I just feel like, you know what I feel? I feel like there's some kind of a, that's crazy. Just, I know, I've been like, having this crazy warfare all day. It's kind of crazy. I was just kind of getting prayer for it. But sometimes when you have the most warfare, there's the greatest victory. I'm, I've been aware of that lately. But I see this, um, I don't know what it is. I see this gold uh, sparkly kind of uh, mantle being put on people in the room. I, I, you know, I, w- I, I hope I was clear. I'm actually not talking about money. Was that pretty clear? Okay. I, I'm actually talking about being kings. I'm actually talking. I had a dream. I just remember I had a dream last night. I, I, I didn't remember till just I said it 20 seconds ago. I, I remember how this dream about God crowning people. He was crowning people and crowning people and crowning people and crowning people. And, 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 and right now I have this vision of some people taking the crown off. Oh, no, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And God's saying, it's not for you. <laughs> not, I'm giving you authority, not for you. you I know mean, when God gives you authority, it's not for you. It's for the people that God's put in your life. Like, you don't want to take the crown off. You, it's going to help your children. It's going to help your children's children. This authority he's given us is not for us. It's for our city. Like, it's not selfish to carry authority in the way God carries it. It's not for you. And so I, I see it's like, I don't know, it's like, a, it's, like it's falling right now. I see it. Falling on people. Is, uh, it's kind of, it sounds kind of crazy. It's like a sparkly gold, um, I would say a robe, but it's not quite a robe. Whatever it is, it's like, can we just receive it for a minute now? It's just like, just receive it. I, I honestly don't know what it is. I, oh, oh it's, it's probably a mantle. It's probably a mantle. I, it doesn't look like a robe. It's probably a mantle. So, how about we just receive this? Like, and, and by the way, you know, I, again, I want to be careful. Like, I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about wealth. I'm talking about being princely and princessly. I'm talking about authority. I'm talking about the ability to shift nations, the ability to shift your city. This, this thing that we sometimes sabotage, because sometimes God gives us more than we think we deserve. And, and so, Lord, we just pray right now this mantle you're putting on us, this. Yeah, this mantle, this, this sparkly kind of gold mantle, whatever that is, Lord, I just release it right now. I love this. Um, just, can we stay there for just a minute? This verse has come in my mind. Let me, it'll take me a second to find it. Isaiah 60. Oh, yeah, here it is. Instead of bronze, I'm going to give you gold. Instead of iron, I'm going to give you silver. Instead of wood, I'm going to give you bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make peace your administrators. And righteousness, your overseers. Listen to this. Oh, this is so good. Violence will not be heard in your land. Nor devastation or destruction within your borders. But you will, be, but you will call your walls salvation, your gates praise. No longer will, um, I'm sorry, no longer will the sun, uh, no longer will you have sun for the day and by night. For brightness, for the brightness of the moon by light. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. And the Lord and your Lord, God, will be your glory. I don't know what all that means. Just like it. You ever read the scripture and like, I have no idea what that means, but I just like it. (laughs) All your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever and forever. The branch of the planting and the work of the hands, I will glorify. I will be glorified. The small one will become a clan. The least will become a mighty nation. And I, the Lord, will hasten in its time. I honestly have no idea what that means, but I know it's good. So, how about I just receive that for myself? <laughs> just, right. How many know you can receive things your brain doesn't get, but your spirit's like, that's a good word. I have no idea what it means, but it's a good word. I receive that for myself. Wow, well, I just release that right now. In Jesus' name, I just release that right now. It's just a good word. This is a gold glittery kind of sash, kind of thing being put over people right now. Um, some of you can probably feel it. If you feel it, just stand up. Like if you, like, don't make it up. But I mean, if you're actually feeling something, I would just like to. I'd like to just acknowledge that. You know, several people don't stand up under peer pressure. That's really a bad idea. But if you feel something like physically being put over you, would you just stand up? Because I. See these, like, I don't know. They're like, I guess they're like mantle sashes being put over us. These gold glittering things. Lord, we just release right now. We just release a wealth mentality that we can make disciples of nations, that we're not afraid of resources, that we can be trusted with resources. We break the fear of having too much. Mm. There's this. uh, um, Sorry, I'm sorry if this is too weird. There's this ungodly fear that if I get stuff, I won't serve God. And I want to tell you something that God's not going to give you stuff if it, if it takes you away. I'm saying God's going to handle that. You don't have to worry about it. Just take whatever he gives you and use it for the king and his kingdom. I'll just release that right now in Jesus' name over every person. I break the fear of getting wealthy. I break the resentment of wealthy people. In Jesus' name. We break judgments we made against wealthy people. Against powerful people. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I remember when we, when we were poor, when we were really poor, American poor, I remember we didn't like wealthy people. I didn't know why. Just my parents didn't like them. I didn't like them. And I was teaching my kids to not like them. I didn't have any idea why just didn't like him. And now I realize like that, so that's the way the enemy sabotages God's blessing in our life. Lord, we just release wealth right now. You know, I have a sense that's what the gold dust has been about the last 15 years. You know, this gold dust thing has been happening on and off. I think the Lord's trying to say in different ways, like, I'm trying to release wealth on you like a wealth mentality that you can actually lead the nations. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is there someone here from Uganda? Uganda. There's somebody here from Uganda. Um, Just come up right here. Just right here, please. The Lord told me that he brought a man here from Uganda to shift the Ugandan culture towards the king and his kingdom, and that he was going to anoint you for that tonight. Danny and Bill, would you just lay your hands on him right there? We just, we just release right now this man. We thank you, Lord, that he would be like a man. He'd be like Cyrus in the land. We'll just release the Cyrus anointing on this man, that he would have influence, that he would have um, everything he needs. Uh, I was reminded of Nehemiah when Nehemiah went uh, back to Israel, uh, to Jerusalem. Um, the king gave him everything he needed to rebuild the walls. And, uh, and the Lord says, I'm going to give you everything you need to um, to bring this country out of poverty and into prosperity. And uh, um, I don't know why this is, but I see an 11-year cycle. I see 11-year cycle out of poverty and into prosperity. I'm talking about a nation. Out of poverty and into prosperity. I have no idea why 11 years don't even sound you know, like a spiritual number, but whatever that means, like 11 years. And I believe that you're a catalyst. There's a Cyrus anointing on you for wealth to shift a nation, to disciple a nation out of poverty and into prosperity. What year would that be? Uh, 11 years from now, what year would that be? I'm sorry, my brain is fried. 2027. So we just released the prosperity of 2027 on you and on your country in Jesus' name and that you would have a favor uh, with two men who have lots of power and money and, uh, and, the, and you, would, uh, the, you would teach them the ways of the king and the kingdom that you would break selfishness over their lives and that you would instruct them in the ways of the Lord and that you would disciple these two men and their families into teaching the nation about wealth. I have no idea what that means. I bless you in that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Ethiopia is there someone here from Ethiopia? Someone from Ethiopia? Nobody? It's fine. There's just nobody. It's not... Okay. Somebody who has a heart for Ethiopia, stand up. I want to release the word over Ethiopia. If you have, a, uh, if you have a, um, a heart for Ethiopia... Are you standing for that reason, Chris? Or are you just... We're standing. You love Africa. Great. Is there anybody else... You actually have a heart for Ethiopia. Okay, great. Is there anyone else? If you have, if you, if you're specifically standing because you have a heart for Ethiopia, or you're from Ethiopia, or whatever, you, some connection with Ethiopia. Ethiopia. That's the cross of Ethiopia. Yes. Great. Is there anyone else? So there's one, two. Anybody else? That's some, all those folks right there. You actually have connections some way, at least heart connections. Okay, great. Because I, 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 there's a, I saw this uh, black plague over Ethiopia in the spirit. And it was uh, stealing the wealth of the land. I've never been to Ethiopia. I mean, I know what an average person would know, of course. But um, I believe the Lord wants to reverse that cycle of poverty. And it's something about, do they have a king? Do they have a king in Ethiopia or is it like a president? I don't know. I saw somebody with a crown on their head and I, was, I, I, I thought he was a king. But whatever the political leadership is, I, I believe it's just some kind of a shift Uh, and somebody that's coming that has a wealth mentality in Ethiopia. And we all know the reputation of Ethiopia, so I'm not pretending like I don't know that. But I just release that wealth mentality over everybody who's standing in intercession for Ethiopia, that the Lord would even use you as a catalyst to bring wealth to a country that's known poverty at least all of my life. And I just release it to you right now in Jesus' name. I pray that the Lord would wake you in the night with strategies to uh, break the spirit of poverty, this uh, uh, kind of black, I don't know what this is, I've, I've not seen it before, but it's, um, it almost sounds cartoonish, but it's this black kind of tarish, it's a spirit, but it's, I don't know why it's being shown to me like that, but I'm saying that the problem with Ethiopia, even though I've never been there, I've never studied the country, I've been close, but never in that country, that's, that's actually a spirit and i see it covering this black stuff, covering the ground, and underneath it's like gold and riches and oil, and it's like the people can't see it. So whatever that black thing in the spirit is, kind of some kind of a blindness, Lord, we just break that over Ethiopia right now, in Jesus' name. And we pray that Ethiopia we become a first world nation. And uh, I, I see a king, I, I don't know if he's a king or president, I don't know what the, what the government structure is, but i release a king that would have a Cyrus anointing on him that would bring the country out of poverty and into prosperity and that there would be natural minerals found in the ground that would not be stolen from the Ethiopians, which happens often in Africa. I know that. Not, I don't know much about Ethiopia, but oftentimes other people, other nations come in and rob the minerals, but that the Lord would only reveal it to the Ethiopians that they would break the spirit of poverty, not just money, but the thinking, small thinking, um, you you know what I'm saying. And I just pray that you, y'all that are in here, that that are standing, that you would be a catalyst to this uh, switch in mentalities and whatever that black gooey stuff is, whatever that represents, that you would break, I think it's the spirit of poverty actually, that you would break that in Jesus' name. Wow! So, stay with me for a second. Proverbs says that much wealth, wealth is in is in the much wealth is in the soil of the poor. But injustice is, is the layer that keeps the people from the wealth. Injustice but injustice is the layer that keeps people from the wealth, which is probably that in the spirit is probably that black kind of gooey thing representing injustice. So, um, so let's agree to right now we break the power of injustice over this country, in Jesus' name. And... The you ask to break in against, yeah, the yeah, the crown. So we release, uh, we, re- we break the power of injustice, and we release justice. Yeah. Justice for the poor. Proverbs talks about, all through Proverbs, about justice for the people, justice for the poor, righteousness rules. We pray for that, in Jesus' name, for this country, yeah. Ethiopia, we re- and we release it. And we pray, God, that in this, um, you know, in this next, uh, you know, f- 30, 40, 50 years, I'm saying, like, I'm just seeing, like, in the next years, this would become a prosperous country. I see diamonds. I don't, I don't know if it's actually diamonds, like, physically in the ground, or if that's, you know, it's, it could just be a metaphor for wealth. But I see diamonds. Let's just proclaim diamonds in the ground. We release diamonds. We release diamond mines. We release wealth. That has been hidden for generations from these people that they as they get a wealth mentality that simultaneously they would find wealth. Not a minute before, but not a second after. That they would find wealth as they have a wealth mentality. In Jesus' name. That's just a good word right there. We receive that. Awesome. Okay. What are we doing? Okay. Whew. Why don't you all stand? I just heard this word. Don't sabotage your wealth. Your children will thank you for it. Your grandchildren will thank you for it. Amen. That's just a good word right there. Put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder right there. We're just going to pray. God, you pray for a spirit of wealth. You, You understand I'm not talking about riches. I pray for a spirit of wealth to be on me, to be on my sons, to be on my daughters come on lord i pray for the power to make wealth to be on my sons and my daughters we break the poverty mentality we break the fear of wealth we just release it right now and i pray that it would manifest in at least ten people's bank accounts supernaturally while you're here you give us the testimony tomorrow that this was really the lord that the Lord is actually breaking poverty over your family. Two people are going to receive an inheritance. I, like, t- tomorrow, just, I, I just have this feeling that two people are going to receive an inheritance that you didn't even know you had as a sign that this is a word of the Lord over all of us, not just for you, but that it's a sign. And so we just release that right now in Jesus' name. Hidden wealth in secret places. Hidden wealth in secret places be revealed. Be revealed in Jesus' name, and Lord, reveal anywhere in our hearts or our minds where we 're actually sabotaging the prosperity that you want for us and for our children, for our children's children 's children. and may our lineage be wealthy in God, whether we have stuff or we don 't have stuff, but our lineage would be wealthy in God. We would have a can do mentality, we would have a yes mentality, we, can, we would have a we can do that mentality. I just pray that right now, a yes, could you just say this, a yes and amen.